Welcome to the Body Smart Podcast, where we remove roadblocks to fitness and health to empower you to master your health habits. We help you become body smart. Hello and welcome to the Running Unbroken podcast. My name is Dr. Cameron Garber and I have a special guest on here today. Um, like all our guests are, are awesome in their own right and that's why we have them on. So we have Blue Robinson today, host of the Addict to Athlete podcast, as well as the Party in the Back podcast and just a runner who loves to help people. And so that's, you know, we love to get people in that have a desire to help others and have an awesome story or set of stories about how, you know, they don't have to stay broken in life, how you can overcome things and get back to living life on your terms, uh, whether that's through running or just living that active lifestyle. And so excited to have Blue on here today to share his story and hopefully give us some inspiration about um, how an active lifestyle can help you overcome those barriers in your life. So welcome. Thank you so much. Um, And yeah, let's dive into uh, basically your story. So I guess going way back, uh, give us yeah. the background to all of it and kind of where you got to uh, today. You, you bet. Thank you so much for, uh, for tracking us down. And anytime I can jump on here and share a little bit about what, uh, what I've seen, not only in, in recovery, but also helping other people overcome their own light, like barriers to, to find out what they're truly made of. I love yeah. it. So thank you for the opportunity. Um, yeah, so, so Blue Robinson, I'm a licensed mental health therapist and a, and a substance use disorder counselor. Um, and I've been practicing for about 21 years now. Nice. And uh, back in, uh, what was it, 2011, um, I was a, a therapist working in Utah County Division of Substance Abuse. And growing up in a, in a dysfunctional home and, and all kinds of craziness that I experienced as a kid, having my own addictions, um, I felt really drawn to the population of helping people who struggle with addictions. If I can overcome it, anyone can, despite our circumstances. And um, as I was dating my wife back in uh, 1999, I was introduced to her family. Her family were avid athletes. They were swimmers. They were runners. Um, they were triathletes. And, and here's me, kind of this lump. And my father-in-law, when I asked him to, to, to my, for my wife's hand in marriage, he's yeah. like, yeah, sure. He's like, how about you come and run a marathon with me? And I'm like, okay, sure, done deal. Had no idea what that was. I tell my, 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 my fiance, my wife now, I'm like, hey, uh, Gary wants me to run this marathon. What oh is it? God. She's like, what did you say? And I'm like, I said, yes. And she's like, that's 26.2 miles of a run. I'm like, I've never ran anywhere close to that. Right. <laughs> but, um, I had been kind of an athletic guy. I've been doing a lot of mountain biking and stuff. And that's kind of what got me clean and sober was mountain biking. And nice. so I was, uh, had a little bit of agility, but, but mountain biking and that doesn't really equal like long distance running uh, yeah, as much as I wish yeah. it did. It, it just doesn't, but, well, um, and you the can't fake thing. a marathon, right? It's no. just a distance you can't fake. Exactly. Here I am now, like, you know, like aiming for this family that I want to be a part of. So I've got to, I've got to like put up the numbers now. Right. So basically what happened was I started training for this marathon, but the coolest thing happened is as I was training for the marathon, the St. George marathon for 2000, um, I got to know my father-in-law and he kind of took that role of, of coach and trainer and kind of like father to me because I grew up without, you know, without a father. And so it was kind of a cool thing. And I found that we'd have these awesome talks, talks I never had with any adult role model, let alone like, like a father figure. And I just found myself really enjoying those connections, that relationship. And, you know, the St. George Marathon came and I did really well. My brother-in-law, uh, Jerem Thurston, who's an avid runner, who you should probably have on here too. Yeah. He's running Badwater and all kinds of crazy ultra runs. Um, he, we've all did this. And I, I felt this community, this family community in running. And we talked about running, we got running shoes, running nutrition, all this stuff. And I just felt part of something bigger. Well, in 2011, um, uh, there was a, a situation where outside of my community, all we had was local in local area was 12 step meetings, which were the steps that you use to, you know, kind of get yourself on the path of recovery from drugs and alcohol. And right. I, some of my clients, it just wasn't working for them. And I knew how important health and recreation was for my own recovery. So I approached my bosses and I said, Hey, I want to I want to train these, these, these group members who are in here for addiction recovery. I want to train them to do a, a 5K. I want to give them something else to aim for. And uh, they're, like, they're like, okay, we'll, we'll see. And they're like, uh, 
you know, what happens if they pass out? What happens? These aren't the healthiest people, right? They're coming from heroin addictions and long-term smoking. And I'm like, I know CPR, we'll be fine, right? But the coolest thing happened. As we were training to this, I, I went down and I said to my group, I had about 30 people in this group and only five volunteered, only five, four guys and one girl, 2011, right? And uh, I started training them to couch to 5K program. And um, what happened was they'd come early before group because I, I did a group at nine o'clock. So they'd come at like eight. We would meet, we'd, we'd go over a little bit of just basic stuff, let's stretch them out, get them kind of like warmed up. And we'd go for this couch to 5K run. What I found, brother, was that there were so many times, again, that the experience I had with my father-in-law talking about things started happening with them. All of a sudden, my clients you know, are training with me and they're like telling me all this stuff that they never told me, heartbreaks and sorrow and, and they're like locked up and clammy, right? Do this. This feels good to us, so on and so forth. It just kind of bled out that way. Yeah. So one of the cooler things happened when uh, we picked a race. It was called the Chase the Mayor 5K. And it was, uh, it was uh, they give the mayor, John Curtis, and bro- like a two-minute head start, right? It's some wow. gimmick race. And uh, John like takes a two-minute run. Uh, those five athletes, they chased him down. I'm not sure what you're supposed to do when you caught the mayor. If you were supposed to slap him on the bed and run by him, like, good job, mayor. But right before we started, the athletes handed out these jerseys that said addicts to athlete. And so when the mayor, John Curtis, sees these guys with addicts to athlete jerseys, he's like, what is this? Each one of those athletes, except for the one, got to have a conversation with the mayor of Provo, Utah, which is a fairly big city in Utah, about addiction recovery. Yeah. It was the first time they stepped out of that, that shadow of anonymity and said, we're proud of what we're doing. We once were addicts. We're moving to become athletes. And John Curtis was blown away by this. So they finished this 5K. They all finished. They all cheered each other. All their families came to watch because none of the families thought they could do this. It's only a 5K, 3.1, right? But the families were like, we want to see you throw up. We want to see you struggle. But every one of them finished. Yeah. And when they awesome. finished, they were so happy of their accomplishments they wanted to do more. So John Curtis gets a hold of my bosses, which were the county commissioners. I get called in Monday morning thinking I did something wrong. I'm thinking, oh, great. Uh, what they do while they were out there? Did they, did they mug the mayor? Did they do something stupid? Did they get caught doing something? But Mayor Curtis told the, the, the council that, hey, this is a great program. Keep it going. So they gave me the green light to keep going. And now what, you know, almost 11 years later, we have thousands of athletes all over the state of Utah, all over the country. Um, training them to do what we call erase and replace. So what I did is I took those five people in my group and I, and I kind of approached the powers that be my bosses. And I said, Hey, we really want to train these guys to run this 5k. Um, I'll, I'll come in early off the clock, so to speak. We'll, I'll train them, but I want to give them something different um, than they're used to. And I said, we'll call it addict to athlete. And they're like, okay, they'll give you the, the go ahead. But they were worried about like, they're not the healthiest people. What happens if they get, you know, you know, get, get injured or hurt or, you know, throw up a lung or something. Cause these are heroin, ex heroin addicts and lifelong smokers. And I'm like, I know CPR will be fine. Don't worry. They gave me the go ahead. And we started training them from couch to 5k. And the coolest thing happened is as I was running with them, they started getting real open about stuff. Like I found that um, they would tell me more about themselves, more about their addiction, more about their family systems, more about the stuff that causes a lot of heartbreak and pain. And as we were running and setting these goals, they would in real time kind of achieve them. I remember one time there was a gal, her name was Janice. And as I was training with her, she's like, coach, I got to slow down. And I'm like, run to the corner. And it was just maybe, you know, not even a half block. So we get to approach the corner and I kind of looking at her, I'm like, she's got more in her tank. And so I said, Hey, Janice, let's run to that red pickup. And that's about another half block away. So we run to the red pickup. And then I'm like, Hey, let's run to the end of this street. And she's like, okay, I'm dying. We get to the end of the street and I'm like, one more. I'm like, let's run to the park, which was another about another block. And when we got to that park after her extending that many times and we started to walk, she's broke down, started crying. And I'm like, oh, crud, I I broke her. I hurt her, right? And she's like, I always do this. I know I have more in my tank and I always give up on myself. I've given up on my family, my my children, given up my goals, all, all because I'm scared. I know I've got more in the tank, just like what just happened. And I'm like, holy cow that she's like metaphorically seeing running and applying it to real life. And I was kind of blown away by that. We had these experiences all the way through as I trained them to run what was called the chase the mayor 5k. It was a little gimmick race they had here in Provo. And the coolest thing was the starting line was literally right outside of our program's doors right there on university Avenue in, in, in Provo. 
And the chase the mayor 5k was they give the mayor, John Curtis, a two minute head start, it's a little gimmick race. He takes off and you literally chase the mayor. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you do when you catch him? Like slap him on the butt. Like, good job, mayor. Like, well, what do you do? But right before we started, they handed out these t-shirts that said addict to athlete. And I'm like, if you guys wear these shirts, I'm down for it. But if you wear them, you're stepping out of that world of anonymity. And we've been taught and trained when you go through school that the anonymity, anonymity, you know, keep it silent, keep it quiet. And they're like, we're proud of what we're doing. We're doing something different. Yeah. So they all wore these jerseys. They took off. The mayor ran. Two minutes later, the, the five athletes ran. And all but one of them caught the mayor. And I can only imagine what Mayor Curtis thought when, when he stopped the first guy. He said, addict to athlete, what is that? And, his, his, and his, his, the first guy, his name was Tyson. He rolls up. He's like, I'm an ex-heroin user and I'm in this group and we're erasing and replacing, replacing addiction, replacing it with recreation. And John Curtis is like, well, I can only imagine that the, the mayor's probably thinking I'm getting beat by an ex-heroin addict. Like I better step it up here. Right. And he had that conversation with the three other athletes, all but one of them caught him. And uh, the coolest thing is when they, they finished, their families were there to watch because the families all kind of thought they were going to give up the ghost. They're like, we want to see you throw up. We want to see you get hurt. You know, they're like, we don't believe you're really going to do this. Yeah. And so they finished these, these people in addiction now have like their family and strangers cheering for them as they cross this finish line. They've never had this before That's so and they cool. get their medal, they get their shirt and they're just like, they're, they're loving it. Right. Well, that Monday comes along because it was a Saturday, Monday comes along. I get called into my, my, my boss's office and he's like, Hey, the mayor contacted us. And I'm like, Oh, great. Did they really slap him on the behind as they ran by? I'm like, <laughs> I'm responsible for these guys. And Mayor Curtis was so impressed by what they were doing. He contacted the county commissioners, which were my ultimate bosses, and said, I don't know what this team is or what they're doing, but I love this. Like, you know, tell, tell whoever started this to keep going. And so they gave me the green light to kind of like keep you know, moving it forward. And, and that was 11 years ago. Now we have thousands of athletes all over Utah, all over the state, some outside of the state. We have a chapter at the Utah State Prison. And it's about erasing that. addiction and replacing it with something of greater value. Yeah. I love that. That What a powerful thing. Using just activity to replace so much negativity, so much like, you know, we all self-medicate in some way, shape or form, right? And yeah, addiction is just like the extreme end of self-medication, right? So mine yeah. is like Netflix and Diet Dr. Pepper um, yeah. and, and running, right? But, but I uh -huh. use running when I'm frustrated or whatever, you know, like those emotions are, I use running to help get that out. And what a powerful way to take somebody with severe, like life changing, life altering addictions. Um, what a cool thing to, to yeah. show them that like you can overcome this and you can do other hard things in your life. Like that's cool. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. exactly what happened. I mean, if they can run, it's funny. Cause I'm like, if you guys can run 3.1 miles, you can run 6.2. And if you can run 6.2, then you can do 13.1. And yeah. I was showing them how these benchmarks can make them stronger. But then they started taking it to a whole other level, brother. They were talking about like, if I can seriously put myself through running you know, a half marathon in the on the trails and it's hard and it hurts, I think I can have these same kind of hard and, 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 and challenging and painful conversations with my loved ones. Yeah. about where I am, who I am. It's like, it hurts, but it hurts a little bit different. Does that make sense? And so oh, totally. I found that people in addiction can, they can channel this pain because they felt it in so many different levels that nothing compares to the pain they've already felt. So I tell them they're out there running and they're pushing up these big mountain passes. We don't, they've, many of my athletes have done squat peak 50 and they go up oh, there wow. they're running there's like dying oh, and yeah. they're just killing. But they're like, you know what coach there said, nothing compares to the pain of when, DCFS, Department of Family Services, came and took my kids because of my addiction. And that first night when there was no noise in my house, he's like, that hurt. So oh, when I'm climbing these yeah. mountains and I'm running for my recovery, that pain doesn't even compare. And yeah. I'm thinking that's the ticket. They're, they're, they're getting it. They understand it. Oh, that's so powerful. You know, I, I love that. I, I think we are so used to in life running away from our pain. <laughs> um, yeah. Or, or hiding it. You know, you, you said, Hey, you're going to not be anonymous anymore. Right. We're yeah. so used to hiding our, our woundedness, our, our injuries or whatever. And mm -hmm. 
and we really, I think there's power in being open about our flaws and, and leaning into the pain of those things that as we do that, then we can process it. Then we can really start to deal with what it is. And so being open with others, being open with ourselves, I think it helps us be more honest with ourselves when we kind of own that pain and, and lean into it. We talk about that physically with people. If your knee is hurting while running, it doesn't mean you should stop running. It probably means you need to run more consistently, maybe with a little less hmm. intensity, but don't avoid the pain. Just monitor the pain and control it, like make the pain predictable. So you handle it in the ways that Beautiful. you can handle it right now, but make it a predictable amount of pain. So if the pain gets worse, yeah. back off. But if the pain stays the same, it. you can handle that level of pain. So lean into it. And, and I think I the it. same thing is true with emotional and, and traumatic pain, like deal with it and, and learn how to yeah. deal with it at, at the level you can now. And as you get better, it becomes less and, and you can handle more, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the beautiful thing about this. It was interesting. Like I said, as I started training these athletes and as we go out there, they'd start telling me all kinds of stuff about, about a lot of pain because addiction in and of itself, I believe, comes from a source of pain. Something hurts. Oh, totally. you know, that's usually at a core issue. And so something that was unpleasant, uh, you know, when they, when they find out, well, I'll, I'll tell you this way. Addiction typically takes hold of a person about two years after something painful. On average, it's about two years. So if you have children and they go through traumatic stuff after about two years on average, sometimes more, sometimes less. I've noticed that's when they find something that starts to substitute the pain. You know, they yeah. use it to, to cover it. Yeah. So what I noticed is that as we were running and they're starting to tell me all these things, I'm like, what is this? Why, why is this motion, this, this running, mm. why does it open up pathways for them to start getting in touch with what's inside? And so here I am thinking I'm breaking this new ground because every time I take a client out, it'd be about two and a half, three miles they start to start telling like, hey, coach, I'm thinking about this for my probation officer. I've got the judge on Monday. And they start talking to me. And what I realized what it's, it's called an EMDR therapy. I'm trained in EMDR therapy and certified in it. And what it is basically is it's, it's a brain's way. It's called eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. It requires left and right stimulation of the brain, either through, through eye movement or through sound kind of going back and forth or through touch and feel. And what happens is your body, your brain begins to process trauma in the frontal lobe and put it back into long-term memory. So as they're running, that's left-right brain stimulation, right? Totally, if yeah. they're trail running, not only are they running, but their eyes are scanning. And so really that big guy upstairs knew what he was doing when he created us because we have the ability to solve this stuff if we move. Movement equals healing. And so as we're doing this, and that's why I love like the team sports, when we do like, like the relay races, where yeah. they all kind of suffer the same, like you're up next, you up to five miles and you got the next five miles and then they come together. It is one of the most amazing things, but I've watched people literally process like grief and, and, and abuse and, and, you know, just like neglect in, in a, in a five mile run. I've watched them do it. I process yeah. with them. In fact, in my, in my program now in our facility, I have two treadmills, one next to the one that they're on and one I'm next to. And as we're running and walking, we're talking about these heavy things and they're processing it in real time. And it's more natural than just sitting on a couch talking because totally. they're moving. It's a beautiful thing. Right. Well, and you know, movement, there's just, we could go on for hours about that. I, yeah. so there's physiologically speaking, right? So there's studies that show that, so for motor learning, so getting your brain to connect to your muscles, you know, somebody that's had a stroke or a brain injury or other things, and I would argue that, you know, severe addiction is in some ways a brain, it can cause a brain injury, right? Um, mm -hmm. Doing a warm up with a reciprocal motion activity. So like pedaling a bike or walking mm -hmm. on a treadmill or an elliptical, that re reciprocity of movement helps increase the, the connections to the muscles from the brain. I would argue it, it helps everything, right? Like everything yeah. in the brain. Honestly, I think some of that is just blood flow. I think that's the, what runner's high is, is yes. that we get enough blood flow through our whole body that for this brief moment in time, everything's working the way it should to be able to sustain uh, like that activity 
that all of a sudden like blood's flowing to all parts of the brain, to all parts of the body. And, and the body's like, this feels amazing. I'm finally working the way I should. <laughs> yes, and that's where that absolutely. comes from, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and I've seen it time in and time out. Like I said, when Janice, when she kind of broke down and said, I always do this, I always give in when I know I have more in the tank, that yeah. boils right down to some of her self-worth and some of her self-esteem totally. because she's been pushed down so many times that she's like, why try? And that time when I pushed her just a little bit further and gave her a little bit of a belief system that, hey, you can do hard things, it translated into her actually doing it. And then she she's the one that made that connection of like, I always do this in relationships and family and everything. And, and since then, like she's she's gone on to do amazing things. And I've seen this happen so many times with, with the athletes. Um, and that's why we do running. We do a lot of sports, but running is the core of it because it's the easiest to get into. I mean, relatively speaking, it's yeah. not that expensive. It, 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 it sucks and it hurts, but when you're done, you feel great. Yeah. And I use the theory of the gap with them. And what I say to these athletes is they're like, how far are we going? And I say, we're going to run to the horizon. And they're like, what? Because so we start running, right? And what happens when you get to the horizon? It flipping changes. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, we're never going to get there. I'm like, that's, that's life. We're never going to get to the destination, but turn around and see how far you've come. And then you can look yeah. back and see. I remember when we passed that building or that tree or that bush or that rock. That's just like life, right? Yeah, We're totally. always on this progression moving forward. You can turn around, see how far you've come, but you keep moving forward. And that's kind of the metaphor that we use to show them that they're always to be in motion. Everything changes. Nothing, nothing is what it is, right? It, the most common word in scripture, it came to pass, like it will pass. We just right. got to keep moving forward and we'll get there. And that's worked really well for their mindsets. Totally. And honestly, the, I, I think mindset is one of the first sta- stages in change. It's just getting the, yeah. that mindset right of, of rethinking the way your kind of faulty patterns are. And, and you're the expert there of, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, faulty, yeah. you know, mind patterns. But so much oh, of, yeah. of, of like our errors or mistakes or, or whatever in life are, are really just faulty thinking patterns where 100%. we have unrealistic expectations on ourselves that are yep. formed from, you know, family and all, you know, all kinds of things, but where we, we want to be where we want to get right now. And we don't break it down into what are the mindsets, the networks, the habits that I need to build to get there. Right. Yes. And so I, yeah. this sounds so cool. I right, love, I love what you're doing. Cause I think it, it yeah, provides so many of those things. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. The, the, well, the, just that mindset. When we were early in on the team's kind of inception and, and we were just barely getting you know, some, some ground on, on building upon what we started with the five athletes, the next one to join, the number six athlete, his name was Brandon. And he was a born athlete. I mean, this kid, he was amazing. I mean, everything he did, he was just good at. And he had forgotten that through his addiction. He got very troubled with heroin and, and some heavy stuff, and it took a toll on him. When he found out it's athlete, I'm like, this guy could do really well. So, you know, our first race was Chase the Mayor. The next one was this race up downtown Salt Lake City. And as I'm standing there at the Gallivan Center and the run kind of real circumnavigates through the downtown area and you finish in the Gallivan Center and it's really loud. People are cheering. I'm sitting there at the finish line because I have like five or six athletes out there running again. All of a sudden I see Brandon pop around the corner and I'm like, oh my gosh, Brandon's going to win this. One of my athletes is going to win. Like, how cool is this? And he starts to slow down. He starts to slow down. I'm like, what is he doing? And he starts like fumbling with his shoe. And he's probably maybe 75, 80 yards away. And I'm yelling, Brandon, run, Brandon, run. And also the next guy pops around and passes him. So now Brandon's second. And I'm looking at him like, what is he doing? And then the next guy pops around. The next guy, he gets up after the fourth guy passes him and trots in. And I'm like, dude, what was that? And he's like, you saw that? I'm like, you do? We all saw that. What happened? And seriously, brother, he looks at me dead. And this is hard for me to talk about. Oh, yeah. He looks at me dead in the face and he says, I'm an addict. No one's going to believe me if I come in first. They're going to think I cheated. I'm like, did you cheat? He's like, no. I'm like, don't you ever, mm. ever do that again. Don't ever sacrifice your win because you're afraid of what other people are going to think. His mindset was that no one would believe me because of who I am what I've been through, but he won that fair and square, but he didn't believe enough in himself to cross that finish line first. And I'd love to tell you that he went on to do great things and he did, 
But then he fell away for a few years. And one day I was at the Utah State Prison because we have a chapter of Addict to Athlete in the yeah. prison. And who do I see? Brandon Black, right? My buddy Brandon. I'm like, well, yeah, well, here you are. He's like, yeah, I got in trouble. I got caught. And, you know, and, and we were doing a 5K. Literally, we were doing a 5K at exactly in the prison. It's like the most exclusive, like, like uh, you know, 5K you ever run. It's right. like 30 laps around the inside of their dirt track. And, and I'm like, when you get out of here, you need to call me. He says, coach, I will. And then the next time I heard him was when I was going to his funeral because he, his addiction took over and he ended up overdosing and passing away. Mm. And I'm like, dang it, Brandon, you did it again. You took a knee when you should have been moving forward. So I'd love to say that a lot of our athletes make it, but there's some that don't. We've had several that have passed away because of that mindset. Sure. And a lot of it's hard to get over and get through because it's, it's more the team approach. The team keeps them healthy, but there's some that just really have a hard time with that mindset. They just truly believe that they're an addict. Yeah. And I don't call my athletes addicts. That's, you know, a lot of other groups say, hello, I'm blue. I'm an addict. I don't let them do that because it's a part of them. It's not who they are. It's right. who they were. They're moving from addict to athlete. We're right. leaving it behind. Even our Roman numeral system, right? The Roman numerals, they don't identify zero. Right. So you can never be less than one. So once you put the one and you add one to it, that's the platform to build on. That's what we talk about. Yeah. So some of them get in the mindset they can't change, that it's too hard, and they end up taking a knee. And that's what happened to Brandon. But I'll never forget that time. I'm like, dude, don't you ever do that again. But he couldn't shift his mindset. And it was really hard. It was really hard for the team when that happened. That it, it's hard. I, it, you know, we see that with all kinds of things, you know, pain science, I guess, is my world, right? Looking at how people perceive mm -hmm. physical pain. And when somebody has a high fear avoidance, where their initial reaction to any kind of discomfort is, I should stop. I need to be done. Like this is harmful to me, right? That's really hard to overcome that. And I think, yeah. you know, psychological pain or, or, you know, social pain is kind of that same thing. You learn early on in life, how you handle those things. And it's right. hard to overcome those patterns of like, whether that's taking a drug to wash it all away or retreating socially or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Some of those things are just, those mindsets are so hard to break. You know, I, I still yeah. eat it, eat like I'm 17 whenever I go to my parents' house. Cause that was like ingrained into my mind. And so I'll eat way too yeah. much, even though I'm 40 now, like I still eat uh -huh. like I was a kid. And, and so like some of that is just so hard. Those, those things you learn as a kid, it's so hard to, to change that mindset. Oh, but what, what a neat way of doing it by, by literally putting in the time, putting in the mileage of not just yeah. building up your body, but building up your mind and mindset and, and everything. Yeah. That's so cool. And we've had to do it that way um, and be cautious about it. And when we first started, we got a lot of criticism by saying, well, you're going to, you know, introduce them to another cross addiction. You're going to, you're going to get them addicted to running. And I could say, well, I'd much rather have them you know, sure. need to go out there and have their three miles and go out and score heroin. But I'm like, that's not what this is about, because the beautiful thing about what we do is we create a lot of balance, meaning for as much athleticism as we participate in, we do tenfold of that in service. So our athletes go out and they serve, they go up, they, they climb to the highest you know, aid stations for John Bozon doing the squat peak 50 to run aid stations. And they, we serve all kinds of things. We get calls all the time from race directors saying, hey, we need volunteers. You know, service is a part of recovery. And so not only do these guys get some accolades for like, you know, the athleticism, but they get accolades too from like serving out of their inconvenience. It's not convenient to climb up to flipping windy pass six miles carrying watermelons and food for these guys. But when those runners come through there, they are so thankful that those athletes are up there. And these athletes have never really had a situation by which someone is thanking them for being there. And they're like, this is wild. Yeah. And it sucks because we usually lose athletes because then the next year they want to go run John's race. Right. Right. But the coolest part about it is there's tons of service and then there's things we do in the community so that it, we do, we keep this form of balance so that they know that too much of anything could potentially make you an addict. So right. we make sure that everyone has their, their, their time to serve their time to run their time to teach, to speak. And it's kind of really become this, this reciprocal thing where it's not just athleticism. It's the whole life change. Yeah. Right. So it's established in lifestyle, right? 
Well, I always say, yeah, often we like to set a goal. Like I want to lose weight or I want to, you know, kick addiction or all these other things. And I'm like, ah, see, when you focus on that as the goal, then you're always beating yourself up for what you didn't accomplish. Cause you're, you always focus on the end goal and it's like, oh, I'm not there yet. So I must be a failure instead we yeah. try to focus on consistency of, of the lifestyle. And if I live the lifestyle that I want to live and focus on just being consistent at that, the, the weight loss or the picking up my pace, you know, my average pace is increasing or, you know, whatever that goal is, like it's the consistency of the lifestyle that gets you to where you want to go. And so, you know, 100%. overcoming that addiction isn't necessarily the goal. That's that's the result of leading this healthy, active lifestyle that fills that void that makes you turn to the addiction by by other healthy things instead, right? I think that yeah. sounds like that's the goal. That's exactly it. Well, it, it totally is because that's the premise, right? Because as I find them, they come in as addicts, they leave as athletes, but then they grow to be, continue to be fathers and mothers and brothers and right. daughters and yeah. artists. And, and you know, they keep going. So it does become this whole aspect of life. It's not just you're an athlete. Now that's it. Like there's so many parts to us. In fact, the way that this kind of like really stands out to me was again, early on in the team's inception. Um, one of my first five athletes um, one day he called me up and we were planning on what, what the team does is every month we participate in one nonprofit run uh, in our community is just to give back to the community that we once took from. Yeah. So say we have a, a race that has like, you know, maybe they're trying to raise money for, for some young man's cancer treatments or, or whatnot. Right. Um, if we have 30 to 40 athletes roll in there that are paying $20 to, to register, that's going to be a huge fundraising for that person. Yeah, so they give totally. back to the communities that they once took from. Sure. And so there was a situation where one of my athletes, and this is early on, He's like, coach, we're going to run this, this, this race in Provo. He's like, you're going to come. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'll be there. And then the day of, I look out the window and it's raining. So I'm like, I text him because I'm too big of a wuss to call him. Right. And I'm like, Hey man, uh, something came up. I don't want to get wet. I'm like, take some pictures. Let me know how it goes. I can't wait to talk to you about it. He's okay, cool. Well, the next, you know, a couple hours later, I'm looking at social media and I see this, this post pop up with him and his daughter. And it was the first run that he got to run with his daughter since she got returned back to them from Department of Family Services. Wow. And because I was too big of a wuss to, to go get wet, I missed the reason he was doing this in the first place. I didn't get to be there when he got to run and that finished with his daughter. And I felt like I felt that small, man. I felt like just a minute person. So I I went to him and I'm like, hey, brother, I am so sorry. Like, this is what really happened. I'm like, dude, you pick the next race and I'm there. Now, granted, this is one of my clients, right? I'm the therapist. He's the client. I'm the coach. He's the athlete. He's like, we're going to run the Pony Express 50. And I'm like, no, no, I'm talking about like 5K. How, you know, what are you talking about? So then now here's this athlete, right? Or this count, this client now calling me out saying we can do this. But I never wanted to run an ultra. Like my brother-in-law, Jeremiah's telling you about, he's run hundreds of dozens of these ultra runs. You know? And he always tells me how horrible they are. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I didn't think I could do it. Right. But because he threw that gauntlet down, I had to do it. I had to now pay the piper. And I'll tell you, man, it was interesting when, you know, the student becomes the teacher yeah. because I had to really pull something deep and we did it and we both finished and I'll never, I mean, now I'm an ultra runner, which is so bizarre because I never wanted that. But because of that stewardship of, you know what, you're, you're, you're still an athlete. You still got to do this. You said you would. It's helped me too to like say, I'm stronger than I think I am. So just because we're in that leadership position doesn't mean that we can't climb back down and invest in ourselves in that way too. So it's been pretty wild to watch what this has done. And uh, I know the sky's the limit, but those mindsets, that attribute of continuing the race, you know, of life, not just at the events, but like to keep moving forward. It's such an important principle for these guys to learn. Totally. Totally. Oh, what a powerful thing. Um, That's so cool. So we talk a lot about kind of the stages of, of becoming body smart, but really it's the stages of mastering a topic. And really when you start sharing, when you start teaching other people is when you really have kind of reached that level of, of really living the lifestyle and having mastered something. So that's so cool that you've got now one of your athletes 
mentoring you on running this and pushing you along and stuff that it just shows how they're getting it when they start to teach and bring others in and stuff like that. That's huge. That's huge. Um, what, what a cool thing. I, this sounds like such a powerful program. So I, I mentioned right before the call, you know, how addiction has affected everyone. There's very Mm -hmm. few people that have not been affected if anybody, um, by, by Mm -hmm. some sort of addiction. And, and that definitely has affected uh, my family. We've we've got some some family members that um, have lost their life to addiction, uh, mm-hmm. have uh, are still kind of in the middle of it, and and it's yeah. tough. And it just yeah. it, it, hearing this is is awesome because it does give you hope to see that that people can find another way. And and I think that's the key is finding what works for you, but finding another yeah. way to to, you know, make, make life work for them. I I've heard this from other athletes before. I, in fact, I went to Kona with, uh, one of our athletes, uh, for the Ironman world championships. And that's how she got started running Ironmans was she was an addict and found that if she could get out and be physical, then, then that kind of scratched that itch, if you will. And, uh, so she's been on on the podcast in, in the past and, so Marty Smith, and she's just an amazing person. Now she coaches awesome. uh, swimming for other other triathletes, and 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 has run so many um, triathlons and and Ironmans and stuff. She's just really a cool amazing. person. But her backstory is is so awesome. So I just I see how transformative and how helpful this can be. What a neat thing yeah. that you've that you've started. And it's funny how these things kind of just fall in our lap sometimes, right? Of it's true. Uh, mm-hmm. of, you know, something so life-changing that you kind of dumb lucked into in some ways. Right. It's, it's really, very true. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's, that's the beauty. I mean, I'll yeah. have to track her down because I love when, when we can get people that have done this just naturally without that, that, you know, without the understanding that there's programs like this. Now we were the first in Utah to create something like this yeah. and there's been many that have followed. And I think that is great. A lot of people say, Oh, they're competing. I'm like, no, we're not. No, They're doing the same work we are. And that is awesome because yeah. we're giving people a choice. And the coolest thing about all of this, like you said, everyone has someone that struggles and, you know, whether it's addiction to, to substances or pornography or, or if you're shopping or food, it's right. so prevalent that everyone has someone. And the coolest thing we've been able to do with addict to athlete is we have just as many people that come and participate on the team that don't have addictions personally, but have loved ones that do. We call them the muggles, right? The non-magic folk. <laughs> we have just as many people that don't have addictions at all that come and hang out because they want to inspire their loved ones. And, you know, we've lost many athletes that, that have, you know, made huge impacts on us. And, um, you know, we carry that message of like, they're not forgotten. In fact, just over my shoulder here, it's kind of funny. We're doing in September, on September uh, Labor Day, the 5th, we yeah. call it the proxy run. And if you've lost someone to addiction, we're having a 5K that will help you remember them. And on our bib numbers, you write their name of the person that, that you've lost or that your loved one who's struggling and you run proxy for them. And the coolest thing about this is like, they're not supposed to be forgotten. They're not supposed to be remembered as addicts. Our very first run we ever had, I'll never forget this. It was Highland, Utah. And here we come running in here with like addict to athlete. And the mayor's like, what is this? Because we go to the the community and we say, this is what we're doing. This is why we're here. And uh, I'll never forget the day of our race in 2012. Um, I saw this guy walking around the park. We got there early to set up and this guy's walking around the park. I'm thinking, oh, he's just a guy walking. And just before the race starts, he kind of walks over to the table and says, I'd like to get my packet. And I'm like, okay. And he says, I need to apologize to you. And I'm like, why? He'd heard the announcements. He'd heard us give this sign of, of, oh. of like drug-free zone for the park and stuff. He says, I need to apologize to you. And I'm like, why? He's like, I came here. And this is 2012, right? He says, I came here because my, I lost my daughter to a heroin overdose two years ago. And he's like, I wanted to run this in her name but I didn't know how I'd be received. I didn't want to be called a bad dad. I didn't want to be called a bad father. Mm. And he's like, I see everybody coming here. I hear them laughing and talking and and I'm seeing people excited to do this under the name of recovery. He's like, I'm sorry that I judged you. And I'm like, I'm sorry you felt judged. Yeah. So he wrote his little name on there and he took his packet. I didn't see him again, but I'll never forget that because it's like, the whole reason this team exists is to lower the stigma of what someone with addiction is. It's to kind of rewrite who they are, right? Right. And 
it's been a little bit of an uphill battle, but we're doing it. We're showing people that recovery is a superpower. Your addiction just means that something hurts. We're going to help you, you know, leave that on the trail. We're going to help you, right. you know, leave it behind you. And, and what we call erase and replace. That's what we do. I love it. Erase and replace. And, and I think one of the most powerful things you can erase is that those stigmas around addiction yeah. and whatever, because let's face it, it affects all of us. And, and yeah, it, it's interesting. So when you look at a story of, of an addict that's, that's died in some way, especially if it's an accident or a shooting or a, something like that, and you yeah. read the comments, they're often just ugly. People just they saying are. horrible things. And, and honestly, some of those things are probably things that I had thought in the past at one point in time until that yeah. hits home with your family and you know that addict. And it's like, oh man, if you knew their story, you wouldn't dare say that. Wouldn't about dare say it. Absolutely, brother. And yeah. that's what I hope this message is, is because We've labeled them as uh, as the low lives, as the as the you know the downtrodden. They're not. These are people that I found that hurt oh, yeah. significantly. And the reason why I've noticed this too, even in my own world, yeah. I grew up in a really messed up family. My addictions came as a suppression of pain. And until I realized where that pain come from, I I, I could have been one of those guys that the story ended you know years ago. Yeah. But instead, I started finding out that wait a minute, I can I can I can push through this stuff. I can cope with this stuff. I can heal from this. I don't think we're in recovery forever. I think you can heal from addiction, which kind of gets people a little bit up in arms, but I really do think yeah. we can because yeah. it's like, if we're in recovery, you know, this, if you're out playing football in, in high school and you get, you know, get, you get, you know, maybe blindsided and you, you break your arm 20 years, 30 years down the line, when you're having a, a catch outside with your son, you can't, you're not going to say, Oh, sorry, son, I can't throw the ball with you. I'm in recovery from a football injury when I was in high school. No, that thing healed. Right. And in fact, where it broke is gets stronger, right? It heals stronger than where it was. And I think the same thing happens with addiction. And people don't like that because they want to always have an out or an escape route that you're always going to be in recovery because you're always an addict. And that's not true. That's why we don't participate in like sober softball or sober sports or sober gyms. They have these things called sober gyms and sober softball leagues. So that people in recovery can go hang out with people in recovery. I'm thinking that's kind of dumb because I want you guys to go out there and live life and be with the, with the muggles, right? The, the normal people. I want you to go out there and show them that you are who you are. And we've had some amazing experiences, softball teams where, where people have made fun of our name. And then when they find out who we are, they come over and they're like, we are so sorry. We didn't know that's what that meant. And they get to have this dialogue. You're not different. So don't hire or, or compartmentalize yourself into one paradigm get out there. And that's what it's all about. And I think it's a, it's a neat thing when you see that kind of dialogue, because like you said, everyone has someone right. that can relate. Well, mm-hmm. and we're so used to now putting labels on everything, right? So including, Ooh, yeah. you know, now gender, even we have to place a label on it and our mm-hmm. sexual orientation or our, you know, even being a runner or all the, you know, everything we, we slap a label on it, but then once we've labeled ourselves, we feel bound to that or stuck to that. And it's like, I yeah. don't, I, you know, so many things are a spectrum. Uh, mm-hmm. I would argue that addiction is a spectrum, right? Like, like I said, mine Absolutely. is Dr. Pepper and, and running and Netflix yep. and, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. And so like, are, are those things that I can step away from? So it's not like a heavy addiction that's affecting my life in a big way. Yeah. But are those the ways that I tend to cope with things? And so I, I sometimes do those to an unhealthy level. Yeah, I do. And so mm-hmm. it is a spectrum. And so labeling ourselves is that then we kind of get stuck that way. And so I love what you've yeah. said there about like, you no, know, you're, you're an athlete. If you're going to label yourself, let's do something positive. Let's not get stuck in the negative label, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then our meetings are the same way. We have, we have community, free community meetings. And it's funny because although we're addiction recovery support group, we very rarely talk about substances. We talk about the positive aspects, about perseverance, about overcoming adversity, about getting to know yourself, like you said, about mindsets. And it's kind of a cool thing because what we noticed is that because our meetings are so upbeat and so positive and so change orientated that we started noticing that, that families were bringing their kids with them. And to me, it's one of the highest honors because I've been in other meetings where it's been kind of dark, you know, and it's been kind of the language has been foul and 
it's just not really conducive to someone who's trying to authentically heal. And when they started bringing their kids, because the messages rang true, I'm like, holy cow. So we started the Addict to Athlete Minor League. These are usually the kids of the people seeking services. We have 18 year and younger. And all we do for them is just support the crud out of them. We teach them teach them how to swim. We teach them how to, how to recreate. In fact, uh, down in St. George, several years ago, we approached uh, uh, the, uh, the, the St. George running company down there. And we're like, Hey, you guys do this, this late to Lake relay. We want to, we want to register our, 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 our minor league and register like a, a, an 18 year and younger team. And we'll have their parents run with them, but they're going to be the ones registered. And they're like, okay, I think we can do this. And so we go down now and these kids run a 50 mile ultra marathon relay with their parents. So that's an hour, five miles each so cool. it's an hour. They get with their parent as they're running. Can you imagine what, what kind of conversations you can have with your kids as you're running with them? Because wow. we got to teach these guys who have been so out of the loop with, with life, how to be parents again. Right. And what I noticed is that as I'm requiring my, my clients to do drug court, meet with the judge, meet with probation, go to 12 step meetings, do all these things. When do they have time to be parents again? So when they started bringing their kids, we felt this huge obligation. And one of the neatest things was there's a guy once who came over and he says, coach, I don't know what to do. My son wants to play football, but it's like 600 bucks. He's like, I don't have that money. I've got to pay fines and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, isn't that great that here's this, here's this kid that wants to play football, but because of his parents' bad choices and things that he's now trying to be accountable to, he can't afford it. And if that kid doesn't get to play, the cycle continues. Right. So I'm like, you know, Addict to Athletes, a nonprofit organization. And this was years ago. And I'm like, hey, we're going to sponsor. I'm going to give you this money to, to register him. You don't tell him where it comes from. But your job now, Wade, your job is to be the first one at every game. You're the one that brings the drinks and the Gatorade afterwards. Like you make sure that you're at every game. And the cool part about it was we never got to see much of Wade anymore because he started being that dad to his kid. That's and his awesome. kid got on the team and he played. And then the next year they had the funds and kept going. And I thought that was the coolest thing yeah. that that's what we were able to do to break the cycle. So that's, that's well, there, there's a million and one stories I could tell you about how this really oh. does work. Movement equals healing, right? right? I'm sure there's so many stories and, and movement does equal healing. And that I love that the breaking the cycle concept, because it does run in families or it does, you know, there's, mm-hmm. I'm sure a genetic component as well as kind of yeah. a lifestyle component that when you grow up seeing mm-hmm. those coping behaviors, you're more likely to cope that way. Um, yeah. And so to, to be able to intervene there and break that cycle and show those kids, you know, I love the minor league. That's so brilliant to show those kids yeah. like, Hey, there are healthier ways to deal with this stuff. Yeah. How powerful. Absolutely. That, right. Cool. Yeah, we've and we've seen that they've done some cool things. One of the neatest things is now that we've been around for 11 plus years, some of yeah. those original young kids are now adults. Yeah. And we have one young man this year who just went and um, went through the police academy is now becoming a Utah County Sheriff. Oh, that's so Who bad. is now going to be, I mean, where we started and I'm thinking, this is the coolest things, you know, these, this is what we're doing. We're breaking the cycle with these, with these young kids. Yeah. And, you know, we have one kid who's, who ran with his dad and, um, you know, his name was Don and Russell and Russell, I think was probably nine years old. And he ran with his dad, the Squaw Peak 50 ultra marathon. This, wow. this, this nine-year-old ran wow. the entire 50 miles with his dad. Um, and, you know, heartbreaking enough, um, you know, his dad, who was a big part of Team Addict to Athlete, his depression kicked in through COVID and lost some connections and he, he committed suicide in December. Oh. And so now this team gets to rally around Russell and the rest of his family and help keep going. And it's, it's, there's sad situations like this, but there's always, there's always a team there to support. And so we kind of rally around when we lose an athlete, we rally around. So it's a team approach. Um, and it's, it's been super hard because he was a huge part of this team. And so we always like to say like, you've got to keep moving. You can't sit idle. This is a, this is literally a disease and a mindset that if you, if you start getting caught back up into it, it'll catch you. So our job is to you know, keep the upper hand on it. So oh. lots of experiences. Oh, totally. I, you know, just so many stories. I'm sure you could tell um, for forever, right? Of, of lives changed and lives devastated by not yeah. being able to change for whatever reason, whether that's yeah. choice or circumstance or bad luck. Sometimes, you know, you, you see things that just, you know, with my family members where, you just hoping somebody gives them a chance or 
And sometimes they get that and sometimes they don't. And, and uh, you know, things, things, it's a, it's a hard world. And so to give people hope through what you're doing is so awesome. Um, Honestly, we could, we could spend so much more time talking about this. Uh, Mm -hmm. But what, what a neat thing. Uh, So if people want to get involved with addict to athlete, uh, obviously you got the race on the banner behind you. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's one way to support for sure. But how, how should people find you? How, how do people get in contact with addict to athletes so that they can uh, become involved? Yeah. And we'd love to have people come out and see what we're about, come out and run our, our 5k in September. Um, the best way to find all of our stuff is our website, addict to athlete.org. So it's addict to athlete.org. And you'll find all of our podcasts. We have podcasts from professional athletes all the way down to the athletes that I train um, with, you know, medical professionals, all kinds of people on there that help, you know, give this back to the community. Um, 90% of all of Team Addict to Athlete is free. You know, we have a 10% Patreon if you want to jump on there and do some stuff outside of the box. But all of our backlog podcasts, our community resources, we have uh, tons of stuff on addicttoathlete.org. This September run is a big deal. Um, we have a, a little section in this run that's, uh, you know, it's a quiet zone. And we have names and pictures of people that have passed. And, uh, you know, we, we celebrate them through that, that spot. And so if you've, if you've ever had someone that's, that's lost their battle to addiction or mental health, um, come, come be part of this. It's a healing process because again, when you get people together like that and they're all in the pursuit of, of sharing who their loved one was or, or who's still continuing to struggle, you build relationships that way. You're not alone. And uh, the cool part about it too, is that you get to see people on the other side of that coin that, that are, that are doing it, that are making it. And so there's hope there too. And so yeah. it's uh, down there in Spanish Fork, Utah this year, you can check out all of our registrations online, addicttoathlete.org, all of our contact information's on there. And uh, yeah, we'd love to have all of you come out and see what this is really about. It's a beautiful experience. Awesome. Well, that's exciting. It is, and is that an annual event? It is. Yeah, Perfect. yeah okay. it, it, it is. Cool. Every well, year. We'll definitely have to uh, hit that up then. I'm, I'm just thinking about some of my family members that I'm going to invite to, to come and, and Would participate love in. to have them. So that's it's a, awesome. It's an emotional, it's an emotional experience. You'd love it. I'll, I'll bet. Oh man. I'm, I'm emotional just thinking about it, let alone, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, participating it in it. You. So that's, that's really neat. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm excited to, uh, to get to know you and get to meet you and, and hopefully yeah. we'll, we'll talk a lot in the in, moving forward in the future. So absolutely. Awesome. Yep. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the running unbroken podcast. Uh, hopefully there's a little hope for you there that you can run despite, you know, other challenges, you can keep going, keep moving in your life and, and accomplish all the things that you want to. So thanks so much again, Blue, for joining us uh, on the podcast My today. Pleasure. And we will catch all of you next time. Don't forget to like, subscribe, all that stuff so you can catch us on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Body Smart Podcast. Join us in the Body Smart community on Facebook to share your successes or ask a question for our next episode. Now get out there and take the next step toward living your active lifestyle.